0: I am an anthropomorphic can of Aquanet Hairspray.
1: And I am a survivor of the Night of the Lepus. And welcome to Planet of the Meerkats.
0: And today we're welcoming a special guest, the one and only Christopher Burns of the band Tawny Frogmouth. Hello,
2: I am Tawny Frogmouth.
0: You, you are the one, the
1: Tawny Frogmouth. You are all,
2: <laughs> all no? the
0: members
1: wrapped into one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, we've got many members.
1: And for, for the listeners who may not know, Tawny Frogmouth is the band, Christopher is the man who supplied us with our fantastic, fantastic... Uh, theme song for the podcast and and it's gonna supply us with some tunes today as
0: well and just just since we're on the tawny note this morning i don't know if you guys saw this but yesterday tawny katane died famous 80s video vixen that was pretty famous for being in a lot of white snake videos moving on uh, into the the heart of this episode we're gonna ask christopher some hard-hitting questions about his musical process and australia the land of his birth, and also like you know, just just about who he is as a dude. How long have you lived in the U.S.,
1: Christopher?
2: It's coming up to eleven years. Okay, September, so a decent time.
1: I know, uh, my, cause my wife is from Melbourne. She she kept her accent because she moved here late enough in life where she it stayed there. But her brothers were just a couple years younger than her, and they talk like completely like Americans.
2: Yeah, it's a funny thing with accents. I know some Australians who've lived here less time than me, and have definitely picked up quite an accent. <laughs> my mother was always pretty conscious of pronunciation, so I I I think it would be hard for me to to lose it. I sometimes pronounce my R's more prominently mm. here just so people can understand me. <laughs>
1: Talk like an American.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I imitate my Texan grandfather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it all works out.
0: What was the story that of actually, like, what brought you here? I don't know if I ever actually heard that.
2: Uh, probably because it's not very exciting. I just thought it would be fun, basically. Uh-huh. Um, I've been living in, I lived in Sydney from 14 years old to 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And was basically like, Sydney is amazing. I could be happy to live here for the rest of my life. But mm-hmm. my father's American, so I was automatically a citizen and just could move mm-hmm. here. Yeah. <laughs> And New York looked fun. I had one friend who lived here, and a close friend, and, uh, yeah, just did it. And it has been
0: fun. The age-old rallying cry, why not? New York looks fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> I'm still trying to, to move to New York. My wife will not let me. No, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> my, my first New York memory as an adult was going there with Neil to visit our friend Adam. And it was like 4 in the morning when we arrived, and we got propositioned by a car full of prostitutes.
3: Yeah, that's, <laughs> there you go. that's New York the right way to do
1: it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Christopher, why do Australians name everything after Batman?
2: Well, uh, it's a funny story, actually. It begins in colonial Australia when it was a penal colony uh-huh. called New South Wales. But uh, to explain it more, I've written you a song.
4: Of returning home was gone. They had a second son and they named him John. William wanted to shed the convict stigma, and so he decided to change his name from Bateman. She's 10 Took the land anyway, and he made it a settlement in a place where people don't own land, but he'd rather they belong to it. By the time your humble storyteller was born, this little town on Fort Phillip Bay was called Mount ridden corpse was a total
0: That makes sense it's a guy named batman
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice i had to i had an idea I, i'm sure i'd heard the story before i did know that melbourne was originally called batmania as well but i i yeah i mean i had to look up the details obviously to do do the uh the lyrics so what year was it that they changed it to melbourne um is this like 1800s <laughs> it's like yeah it's melbourne for probably a long time. okay i mean australia this all of this stuff is all 1800s essentially you know there wasn't much in European Australia before the 1800s yeah yeah I don't know when they changed it I don't think Batmania lasted long because the it's uh, at least well according to the Wikipedia article um yeah. the, the the authorities at the time were like not with this guy he was just yeah out on his own yeah um <laughs> this so guy pretty, didn't have a lot of friends <laughs> yeah yeah I mean he seemed horrible and there yeah. there is a movement to like remove the Batman, I believe, is the Batman, pronunciation yeah. there. Yeah. There is a there is a movement to remove the names. Of, a couple of being a couple are gone, and there's a statue <laughs> that I think is uh, getting looked at, which uh, you yeah, know, I'm in, I'm in favor of. The guy, the guy sucked. If you're an American
0: and you show up and you're like in in Australia laughing at the name Batman and you're pronouncing it wrong, like do people just like shit on you about that? I'm sure they do.
2: I mean, I I hope not because there's you have no. Reason to not <laughs> laugh along with them. Like, knowing Australians, I think they're laughing along with them. I hope. That's awesome.
0: I feel like every Australian is funny, because Americans are not funny in general.
2: Yeah, it's I like think
0: the per capita uh, funniness is just like through
2: the roof. I think that <laughs> it's it's just a form of communication in Australia, and like sarcasm is a is a is a legitimate form of communication, which mm. uh, people can get lost in. Mm-hmm. from other places, I think. Um, I mean, it, it comes from Britain a lot, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. just like self-deprecating sarcasm yeah. um, is all just a slightly alternate way of, of communicating. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and Americans are much more direct, I find. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then also, I'm, in, in New York at least, like people are just as sarcastic here, I, I find. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no
0: offense to Americans that don't live in cities, but I think that... <laughs> <laughs> We kind of tend to to coalesce. Whereas literally every Australian I've ever met is funny. I know that small sample size and anecdotal, it it's just like can't be possible.
1: Brahman and Christopher. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> I swear everywhere I go around the world, there's like a hundred thousand Australians everywhere. Again, Southeast Asia, like geographically close, but everywhere in Southeast Asia was just like overrun by Australians.
1: Well, and incredible. And Australians <laughs> get way more paid leave than we do because I know Bro, family yeah. is like always
0: traveling. That's I why mean,
1: you're always on vacation. So you're having a good time. <laughs> she has she has aunts and uncles that have been to literally every state in the United States and all over Canada and I'm like, <laughs> well, uh, you know. <laughs> this is a really good segue into the next question which is like, why do you like living in this
2: hellscape that is the United States? <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, I'll say I'll say what I Tell to my Australian friends who say, what's it like living in America? I say, I don't live in America. I live in New York. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I follow that up with, you know, there's, we all know what sucks about America. I I imagine, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of like, for, for anything that's really bad here, there's something that's really good as well. Like it's really evens out Mm -hmm. for all the jerks around and that are selfish and greedy. There's, there's the most amazing, generous and funny people that i've Mm. ever met anywhere and uh it's been like my 10 years of being here it's been really lovely to discover those places and and i found uh with traveling as well there's i there's like you know you have an idea of a state or something like that and then you go there and there's a little pocket of people doing something really really cool and creative stuff that you just Mm. didn't imagine existed and there seems to be like these little funnels where there's cool people go to around the, Mm
3: -hmm. around the
2: country that are, that are outstanding, but you, you know, other places in the world, you don't really hear about that. Like I'd never heard of Asheville, North Mm -hmm. Carolina, before I came here, you know, and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we, my friend and I were just traveling around and turned up there and I was like, this, this main street has like six theaters on it. (laughs) (laughs) never seen that anywhere in the world. This, This place is cool. Instantly.
0: It is kind of interesting. I should back up and just say, Dave and I have this theme where we just think things are better now than they ever were in the world. Everywhere, basically, I think. But you just never hear about that stuff, right? Because we all like to talk about the negative stuff. But it's true. Like, like It's very easy to typecast people and say people that live in this state are all terrible backwards people, but that's just not true. That's too simplistic. I mean, you're right. There's great people everywhere and there's creativity everywhere. And if we highlighted that and talked about it more, then I think the world would be
1: an even better place. An observation my wife made in her experience after moving here, she thought everybody here was more friendly than in Australia. And that surprised Mm. me. And it may have just been because, you know, she was like a young, cute girl. But has that been your experience? Well, maybe not in new york <laughs>
2: <laughs> well see this is the thing it, going going back to the sarcasm thing i think that people who come to new york and think that new yorkers have an attitude they don't understand that it's a game hmm. like mm-hmm. the, if someone can, comes at you in new york you if you stand there and go back at them with you know with a sarcastic comment or something you're in you're engaging in the game and, and suddenly <laughs> you're friends It might look like a fight, but you're actually yeah. they're buddies <laughs> and that's like as an australian that comes perfectly naturally to me because uh-huh. making fun of people again is like a term of affection in australia so i think that maybe maybe australians are more likely to make fun of you off the bat than americans are americans are more likely to be genuinely kind and, and nice to you initially or, or-
1: newsflash australian musician in new york thinks he's playing a game and arguing with fellow New Yorkers <laughs> shot 17
2: times by three people. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so shifting gears, what, what inspires you as a songwriter?
2: This is a tough one because there's nothing specifically that kind of like I'll do or hear or see and then I'm like, oh, I need to write a song about that. I've just kind of been obsessed with music since I was a preschooler and I started writing. Like I couldn't even... I, my first instruments is the drums, and but I like we had a guitar in the house, so I picked it up and I used to just look at where guitarists I was playing with we were putting their fingers and and learn my learn some chords, and I just instantly started writing songs. So it's like it just seems seem like a natural thing to have a melodic instrument that just goes to writing songs. Mm-hmm. But recently, what I've been thinking more about is, and just in general, is like I think a lot of people talk about goals and achievements and things like that. And I was probably thinking that way. But now I think more about how do I want to spend my time?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: What do I want to be doing? And I kind of realized a while ago that the, the one obvious thing that I can do in the world and get completely lost in it, forget to eat, forget to go to the toilet <laughs> for hours, because I'm just so focused, is sitting down and, and writing songs or, or recording songs more specifically. Writing songs is boring. Recording songs is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do you like basically go
0: straight to tape and just record and then build it? Like you don't you don't sit and perfect it in your mind. You just go and do it.
2: Yeah. Generally what I'll do is I record the drums first, mm-hmm. which is literally just me I I usually have an idea of a, a tone, a groove or something, or mm-hmm. a particular groove that I want to start with. And that's as much as I'll think about, just press mm-hmm. record and start playing, see where it goes for five, six minutes, however long it, it feels good. And because I am usually like largely improvising, there's plenty of mistakes that <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't be there otherwise. Yeah, I feel like that's part of the charm of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll take the drums home and just start putting guitars on at home and whatever else I can I can think of or mm-hmm. I. I feel like could fit in and I just piece it together. Yeah. I piece it together as I'm recording and I'll almost just go section by section. Mm -hmm. Like this, I'll play this here and then fill it out a little bit. And yeah, there's, there's like, I can be halfway through a song and I've got no idea how it's going to end. There's no plan.
0: So do you, you don't, I feel like you, you haven't been marketing it as improvisational necessarily.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I've, obviously I, I'll sort of try things and and eventually find something that I want to keep and then it, and then mm-hmm. I'll go over it a couple of times to get it right with guitars especially mm-hmm. I'm not actually yeah. a particularly good guitarist as well so mm-hmm. that complicates things mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so I'll just sort of try things until I'm kind of happy with it and then mm-hmm. but there's yeah compared to yeah I've been in plenty of bands in my time and and even and written songs myself the more traditional way of compared to like sitting down and going over parts and stuff like that. Like it's completely different and a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's work, working for me so far, at least. Do, do you do
1: a lot of uh, live live shows? I know your music seems pretty complex and you said that um, you you record all the parts yourself.
2: Yeah. I record most <laughs> of the parts myself. I, the, the album that uh, mm-hmm. we released earlier in the year has other people contributing mm. for guitars and there's a saxophone on there and stuff like that. We have a plan from uh, this week to the end of the year to release either a, a song or an EP every eight days until the end of the year. And um, it's just makes sense that doing most of it myself <laughs> is a lot so more ambitious. ambitious. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I'm, I'm hoping I sit, like, I love working with other people. I love getting stuff back from people because I don't, I don't tell them what to do or what I want or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what do you think should go here? Mm-hmm. And, and obviously I always get stuff that I would never come up with, which is fantastic. While I'm doing the these eight day songs, I kind of like got music out with other people to put to, put together another album for mm-hmm. later or maybe early next year or something. Nice. Do you see this
0: as like a an evolving idea, like of the, of the band as kind of being improvisational as well?
2: I don't know. Yeah. So, um, sorry, to, I didn't even answer your question, Dave. As far as live stuff, and and this ties in as well as mm-hmm. we haven't mm-hmm. done any live stuff. I, I started this last year, and so you know, there's there's been no live music. And it does complicate things. I do, I have, I have a band in my mind of, uh, people, (laughs) people that I've played with in in various ways before who I would love to, to do shows with one day. And I think it might be, it might be somewhat improvisational or kind of start with what I've put together Mm -hmm. and then I like would love people to take it wherever they take it and Mm -hmm. change as a, you know, have it changing and and changing over time. Some of the stuff I do is kind of narrative stuff. Mm-hmm. And I imagine doing shows where the, the narrative changes and it's influenced with what's happening at the time. And, but, you know, maybe not. Maybe it's just recorded. Haven't really contemplated that <laughs>
0: yet. Yeah. Can you explain the rules of Australian rules football? What team do you barrack
1: for? <laughs> Why does everybody stand on each other's shoulders?
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I've
2: got a song for this. Yes.
3: Yes, I can. No one. What, uh,
0: what is, does barrack mean? Does that just mean what team are you a fan of or does that is that like a do
2: you huddle together and like well, punch <laughs> each other? The the American equivalent is rooting for a team, but um okay. Rooting means something different in Australia. That so, uh, <laughs> if you're if you're rooting for a team in Australia, you're an extremely enthusiastic fan, <laughs> and your kids probably
1: will be too. Oh man! So, so still, what what what's your team in Aussie rules?
2: Uh I don't really have one. I mean, I come from Sydney, so I guess the Sydney Swans. I think Sydney. Uh, I don't. I don't follow the Sydney, I think Sydney Swans? Has a second. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's a great name! Sh- shout out to the Bulldogs and the Lions; those are the the teams that my wife's family likes.
2: Solid,
0: solid teams. And they're they're Mel- Melbourne. Melbourne is that how you say it? Well,
1: Melbourne. the the Aussie rules I think are the teams are. It's kind of like New York, where baseball used to have all the teams like in one place, and they kind of uh-huh. went out. And all the Aussie rules teams were in Melbourne at one point, and then they sort of went out to different parts of the hmm. country. I yeah, think the, they, those,
2: it used. As you say, it, it's well the the it's now called the Australian Football League AFL, but previously there was the VFL Victorian Football League, and I think SANFL for South Australia, and then WA and, and mm-hmm. Tasmania would have had them too. Um, and then it became the sort of national thing. So I think it was it was actually regional mm-hmm. leagues mm-hmm. initially. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think as far as the rules. I think the best way to imagine it, if you don't know the game, it's it's like soccer and American football, but with no offside and then <laughs> a bunch of other stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> so la- last week we were talking about
0: our some of our favorite video games from our youth and I brought up Mutant League Football. I don't know if, <laughs> if, if you had this in Australia or you ever played this. I think it was on Sega Genesis. I'm it's not le- less
1: there, violent but. than Aussie rules.
2: But yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Aussie rules is the least violent football or well, maybe not soccer, but um, can
1: you rip someone in half? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they definitely try. Can you turn into a zombie while you're running downfield?
2: No. You, okay. You can't, but you should. <laughs> I so think what also you... the other thing about AFL is, um, I believe it was a study, like a GPS study done once uh-huh. and AFL players run further than any other field sport. Oh, wow. I believe. Yeah, that was
1: Rowan's criticism of American football. She's like, why do they keep stopping?
0: Yeah. (laughs) It (laughs) takes so long. I find American football to be so boring because the game Mm -hmm. takes so long. Same thing could be said about baseball now. Baseball takes so long, too. Basketball is the only truly exciting American
2: sport. There, I said it. Controversial. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like I know you like baseball. Uh, I mean, putting it mildly, from yeah, what, what it seems. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I actually grew up playing baseball in Australia and nice and uh, watch it here. Follow the Mets here, of course. Not okay, the, not the dirty Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's it's like in a game, like crazy stuff can happen. But there's just so many games that by the end of yeah. the year, like yeah, you, it, it's so unlikely that something crazy. But I mean, postseason, I guess it can happen too. But
0: I think baseball is really a daily meditation back in the day where it was there was more time for you to like it was the thing that you would take time out of your day to do you would Mm. watch a game or you'd do something and listen to a game and there weren't as many distractions and so it really was like a drama that took up your whole summer and you you really got involved in the storylines you know it was like soap operas you know (laughs) for sports yeah um i think it just makes less sense today in our like media environment. Yeah, because you're not like no one's. I guess people, you know, there are people who still watch every day, but like most people, don't follow it that much. And I think if you can't get invested in the people on the team, it loses some of its impact. Like yes. if every year everyone's shuffling in and out, like why do you? What is what? What incentive do you have to follow this like really protracted season if you're not in it for the storylines?
2: Yeah, and um, I mean. So, so I, I watch it pretty regularly just because it's such mm-hmm. a nice thing to have going on yeah. in of an evening or whatever. And, um, and Arbica doesn't mind it, which mm-hmm. is nice. And like she's learning about it. And <laughs> and she, she keeps, she keeps sort of saying, like, it's so complex. Like, you knew all of this <laughs> stuff was happening. And I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a complex, but, and, and then like, you know, sometimes something will happen and there's, conventions of what you do and you don't do as a player mm-hmm. with like um regard to like civility or something like that and mm-hmm. and, <laughs> that, and that all happened and she's sort of surprised at that that was like that's that doesn't sound like a sport you know it's not mm-hmm. like american sport <laughs> and it's been like well it's actually just american cricket so mm-hmm. it still holds a, a level this sort of sub- civil something in it and and that idea of the long-term storyline is like mm-hmm. you know that's the only thing going for a cricket match that goes for five days is like there's little (laughs) subtleties that you can follow that are interesting because there's not a lot else happening
0: so dave and i are both fans of the giants and i think for a long time have gotten slammed for erring more on the side of honoring the players that got them there so like people who had an impact got rewarded with big contracts and that's great because it builds loyalty with the fan base and with the team, but people would be getting paid just ridiculous sums of money to just totally suck ass. Mm. And I think that sort of model lasted well into the age of Sabermetrics when teams were being much more sort of ruthless with their <laughs> with their rosters. And now the Giants have kind of, I think, gone the other way a little bit. And I honestly kind of like I kind of miss the days of watching a terrible team where I like cared about the players as opposed mm-hmm. to watching a better team where there are players. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you feel that the Mets are well, actually really good this year, I guess. So and that's and exciting. To be fair,
1: the Giants applied that philosophy to three world series in five years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it, it, there is something about sports that's fun. Cause it's like it, there are the the chances for it to be kind of random and just like surprising. And you know, that's cool.
2: Yeah. The Mets the Mets are potentially very good uh-huh. at the moment, but also like uncompromisingly Mets. Like they'll they'll yeah. find a way yeah. to to not reach their potential somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's an adventure to find out how they're gonna not be as good yeah. as they should be. But yeah. <laughs> but they, and they definitely have the personalities. The personalities are really good. Like there's a interesting thing. Although last night there were there seemed to be a fight between players (laughs) oh really yeah uh mcneil on the team or
0: with someone else
2: on the team like because after one inning where there was like a bit of a miscommunication between Uh lindor and mcneil at shortstop and second uh they both ended up in the tunnel down to the uh dressing room or whatever and um we got locker room um (laughs) and like half the team just bolted into the tunnel as if there was some drama happening and then they they just wouldn't talk about it afterwards and there was some bullshit about like a rat or a raccoon or something down there and which like, was obviously just alive But the the, the the theory is that they were actually kind of like going at it between the short stuff of the second basement i like that they were fighting and
0: the best story that could come up with was that there was a raccoon in the tunnel like <laughs>
2: It was, it was, I mean, it was <laughs> extremely entertaining. I have to say it was, it was That's amazing. Funny. And all the people who take it so seriously are just like, Oh, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm. This is insulting.
0: What do people commonly misunderstand about Australians? Uh, that We're all
2: funny and nice. <laughs>
0: oh man, you already cut <laughs> this. Damn it. We walked
2: into that one. <laughs> 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 Uh. See, the problem, the, the mistake you're making is that you're thinking of New Zealanders. <laughs> mm. They're the ones who are genuine, genuinely nice. Mm.
3: So See, my impression of pretending. New
2: Zealanders
1: is that all of them were involved in the production of Lord of the Rings. And so if you go there and like pick a random person on the street, they can make you some armor or show you their pictures <laughs> dressed as an orc.
2: That's pretty much it. <laughs> I, I did go snowboarding at, at on the Remarkables, which is where I think the the sort of scenery was filmed for that so you, you can go snowboarding in uh, in the Lord of the Rings if you want to.
0: I keep telling my wife that i I want to move to New Zealand, and I've never been there, but I kind of do because it seems amazing and it seems way better than America. No offense America. It's not you, it's me.
1: Well, it's conceivable if you lived like if there was like a cataclysm and you lived in New Zealand. You mm-hmm. could get sealed off from the rest of the world and literally never talk to somebody outside of New Zealand again. That sounds both awesome and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they they fly through Australia, but other than that, it's a pretty remote place. Yeah, yeah. So it's a Christopher, great place. You're
2: right. It's a great place.
0: Do you consider Russell Crowe to be an Aussie or a
2: Kiwi? <laughs> well, I'm going to contradict myself here because I consider him to be a Kiwi. 100% but you know I, I also don't consider him to be a nice person so he must just be the exception to the rule <laughs> the exception that proves the rule maybe
0: I don't really know anything about him is what I didn't know this was controversial
1: that he like I, I don't know if it's controversial so much I think when he's on good behavior Australia will claim him and then oh, when I he's see. acting like I an see. asshole then uh, they just like oh yeah well he's from New Zealand what are you gonna do
2: Mm-hmm. not just him any New Zealander that's <laughs> how it works for any New Zealander but yeah I, I've I got a story about him actually because he's he's known for being a bit of a jerk I think mm. generally is, is fair to say I remember some incident where he was like throwing phones at hotel staff or something like that <laughs> I don't know but uh, a friend of mine uh, in Australia has uh, some other friends who are rugby league players and Russell Crowe did or does own a, a rugby league team in Australia and mm. and so he would invite the team over to his house and he had this massive mansion on Sydney Harbour and all these toys to play with and a cinema, obviously, in his house and things like that. And so the story that I heard was the team was like, wow, we're going to a movie star's house like this, this is going to be great. And they sort of turned up once or, once or twice and then were like, this guy sucks. <laughs> it's like he's gonna buy his friends like he's bought a whole football team just to have people to hang out with or something but then they just kind of like politely declined from then on that's the story i heard anyway that's
0: probably true of a lot of famous people is that like it, the 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 idea of hanging out with them is probably like a million times better than actually doing it and you're like wow this person's a total narcissist psychopath
2: yeah for <laughs> sure he is a great actor though I'll give yes the- he is
0: <laughs> what is your favorite australian candy
2: i don't i must be honest i don't have much of a sweet tooth but (laughs) i have i have enough of a sweet tooth to write a song about this Do you want do you want me to go through the the candies in the song, because oh that would be helpful yeah I can barely understand them so <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know what hope anyone else has uh, so in the song I mentioned twisties mm-hmm. which are kind of like Australian um, uh, corn puffs or something maybe what are mm-hmm. the what are the things that that give you all the orange stuff Cheetos when Cheetos kind of like Australian Cheetos yeah okay. um they come in cheese and chicken flavour.
1: <laughs> like, that sounds delicious.
2: Who would make a chicken flavored Cheeto? Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the, Smarties blue made
1: Vegemite would make a <laughs> chicken flavored. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: good point. It's a good point. Um, Smarties are Australian
0: M and M's. Uh, Clinkers. That's confusing because there's American Smarties, and yes.
2: they're, oh, they're not M and M's. Oh, they're not. Okay. Yeah. American
0: Smarties are like shitty versions of sweet tarts. <laughs> Do you know what a sweetheart is? No, I have okay. no, no idea. Anyway, no. moving on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Clinkers are like a chocolate covered uh, fake honeycomb. But mm-hmm. in the, in this case, the honeycomb is is different colors. So I, I guess they're meant to be different flavors. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, okay. and it's not really like honeycomb. I just, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just kind of crunchy, nice. holy things. Uh, fruit tingles are like tingly lifesavers. Wait, do you have lifesavers here, or are they, yeah. is that is? I get so confused. Okay, so further in the song, we I mention Sherby's, <laughs> sherbet mountains, and Whiz Fizz, which is all different kind of varieties of sherbet, which in Australia is not an ice cream thing. It's a it's a, a tingly um, tangy powder. Okay, okay, that's, okay. That's I think it's like sugar and baking soda and something something like that. And it's delicious. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, is it like Pop Rocks kind of? Kind of like that, except it's a like it's a powder. Yeah. And like maybe so a it, pixie it sticks. Yeah, I think I think there's similar things here, but I, I Australia seems to be the home of Sherbet-based lollies. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> Just to use the correct vernacular there too. And so uh fruit tingles is kind of like a tangy, tingly sherbet-like um, lozenge, or, or something like that. Uh, Violet crumble is chocolate-covered fake honeycomb. Polly waffle, Polly waffle is uh, a wafer covered in chocolate with a marshmallow on the inside. <laughs> and birdie beetle, birdie <laughs> beetle is a is a little uh, beetle that's a, it's just chocolate and has like little crunchy things in it. Birdie beetle. Yeah, and they they came from, I guess, Australia, I guess the equivalent here is like a county fair or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Australia has uh, shows. There's, there's the Easter show and the Royal show and, and the Adelaide show and um, kids will go, you you know, it's the usual stuff with like animals and rides and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, a, a highlight of Australian shows is, in, in my memory, is um, the wood chop, which is like, log chopping competitions oh yeah yeah like the <laughs> scottish games yeah yeah like, it's a little strength exactly
1: even though like you have very few trees in australia <laughs>
3: yes it's, it's very <laughs>
2: irresponsible but um the it, for kids you you buy show bags as they're called and which is just like different stands have different themed show bags and uh birdie beetle was the kind of candy that you wouldn't see all year long and then you'd get it in a show mm, bag and, yeah and it was that's the awesome best. yeah the anticipation
1: Your your parents bring you home a Batman show bag and you're really excited until you see it's John Batman.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just got a bunch of guns and uh, oh, yeah. oppressive material in there.
0: So if this was an American county fair, then the birdie beetles would come deep fried.
2: Because you can't leave the
0: county fair without some deep fried stuff. <laughs>
2: I guess, I guess what's happening is uh, Australia is combining the county fair with Halloween. Mm, okay. Because, well, I think people, more people do Halloween now. When I was a kid, it wasn't really a thing, and so that's that's your day for like getting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just obscene amounts of sugar, <laughs> and it's okay.
0: That's great. We need more of those, to be honest. Life is hard enough. <laughs> we need Halloween two, the sequel, like yeah. <laughs> halfway through the year after Halloween. The Easter Show. <laughs> what is the silliest sounding name for a thing that you recall from Australia?
2: Uh, I think. We've already uh, seen that there's plenty of silly sounding names uh-huh. uh, from, the, from the candy section here, but uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, Australian surfing slang as the ultimate <laughs> in Australian naming. And uh, I've written a song about that. Awesome. Let's hear
0: it. All <laughs> the down
3: to
5: the slide. So I checked out the Bommie and Shorey It's too cold for the Bordies and Rashi So I chucked on my wedding I was doing some Rios and Cardis. Then I bumped
4: into Ozo and hockey And they were up for the
3: later.
2: Corn got rinsed is uh, I'm actually leaning a bit on a on an Australian surfing podcast for that one. I don't know if mm-hmm. they invented the the rinsing corn phrase, but they've certainly mm-hmm. popularized it recently. Mm-hmm. It's uh, there's a, a a form of barrel riding on the backhand where you kind of you drop your back knee down towards the board and you you hold on to the rail with one hand uh-huh. and what professional or or very good surfers can do is lean their body into the face of the wave to um mm-hmm. uh, moderate their speed so they can stay in the barrel for longer. And uh one of so one of the techniques for doing that is just kind of stick your bum into the water. <laughs> and so that's where the rinsing corn comes from, is you're you're essentially you know, sticking your bum into some powerful, fast-moving water, and you're uh, <laughs> rinsing your cornhole like, a, like that's not possible anywhere else, basically. Not in the natural world, anyway. Oh, man. That's oh. great. Wow. I just um, so, thought yeah. had,
0: that was like just kind of nonsense talk. Like, <laughs> oh, a corn guy, ran- whatever. But I, I'm glad to know that there's actually
1: a very descriptive process for, for coming to that term.
3: I, I it
2: all means made something.
1: Me- I hope you name an album after that someday.
2: <laughs> I should, I should. And I recommend uh, people go and listen to that even if they're not surfers and particularly if they're not Australian, because one, um, one of my games that I play with friends here in America is to sort of play them five minutes of it and <laughs> <to> <laughs> us, then see if they can translate anything. That's there. <laughs> and it started, honestly, I, I was like, oh, listen to this, it's so funny. And then my, my friend who I gave it to was just like, I, I literally have no idea what's
3: going on. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I, I, you
2: know, it's kind
0: of it's kind of fun to just be in, into something that you can't understand. Uh, I don't know. I'm into it. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to become a regular listener now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Partic- awesome. the, the live shows are particularly loose.
1: What was the name of the podcast again?
2: It's called Ain't That Swell.
1: Ain't That Swell. Okay. Nice. And I see there's a double meeting there.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. exactly, and I would say the the bad pun in the title is the worst part about the show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's definitely the the rougher edge of surfing. It's not the nice, polished, professional surfing production. <laughs> it's it's the, uh, the the neighborhood degenerates.
0: <laughs> now, I like the part in this in this song where you I forget the name Ozo I
2: mean. Ozo and and Ozo Opie,
0: yes, thank you Ozo. Ozo and Aki.
2: <laughs> so Ozo is a is a nickname for Owen Wright, the uh, professional surfer, and Aki is okay. short for um, Mark Okalupo, who is a, a absolute legend in surfing, ninety nine world champion, and nice. lovely guy. I, I met him at a at a party once. He was he was great. Where's like the top surf spot in Australia? Uh, I mean, almost the like three quarters of the coast is surfable two thirds, maybe. The so Eastern it's, coast. it's it, all the way from all the way down the West, South and, and East all has good waves. So mm. it depends what you're looking for. It's all like
0: nothing over on like the Perth. Yeah. Side.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, they Actually, yeah. uh, as we speak, there's a, uh, the professional competition of the, of the week is in Margaret river, which is just down the road from Perth mm. and they get nice. just massive, swells from the Indian Ocean that have, that have like nice. these huge storms that are just going around the, the Southern Ocean and they just hit the West directly. The East coast tends to be a little bit, East coast is really good, but it's a little bit less power because of the, the way that the swells kind of wraps up the coast yeah, a bit yeah. differently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, there's good waves everywhere. It's great. Now, are you a surfer? I I surfed in, uh, in Australia regularly and I pretty much stopped when i came here but um actually in the last year i've i've started going down to the rockaways and Mm -hmm. splashing about in the um the the so-called surf down Mm -hmm. there but i I can't i can't be too when i got here i could be uh properly arrogant about the waves here (laughs) and (laughs) because it's it's not much compared to australia but now i'm so out of shape and rusty that like these these waves suit me perfectly. <laughs> I mean, it's. I'm a, a, one thing I've noticed actually is, since I've started going more regularly recently, it's the first time I've done it since I've had a smartphone, I think, and it's just such a pleasure. And I'm I'm not even obsessed with phones and social media or whatever, but it's such a pleasure to just sit in the water. You've got nothing else to do. Like you just sit mm-hmm. there and bob and wait for a wave to come and. Mm-hmm. It's it's like how often do you do that anywhere in the world? And so, yeah. so it's kind of got a an added meditative um experience that maybe wasn't wasn't as distinct in the past. This is probably
0: the most important of the questions, right? The Vegemite one? Yes. Yay or nay.
2: Absolutely. Two hundred percent. I will eat <laughs> I will eat the share of anyone who doesn't like Vegemite. I will eat your <laughs> share. It's salty, what? it's umami, it's amazing. Well, now, I think Americans make the
1: mistake of putting too much on. Yes. Like, it's not supposed to be laid on thick yeah. like jelly, yeah. right? No,
2: no. And, it, and it's almost, you would always have butter or margarine or something with it as well to mm-hmm. kind of balance it out. Mm-hmm. I have heard less, of people... Less is more. Yeah. I have heard of people using it in regular cooking too as like, where you might use anchovies or something to give mm-hmm. a kind of complex mm-hmm. salt. Mm-hmm. Um but it is also black. So mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> imagine the the sort of visual outcome would, it's going to be that great, but well
1: and my American mind goes straight to chocolate. I'm like, "Oh, it's going to be sweet." It's yeah. It's not no.
2: sweet. <laughs> 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 Complete opposite. Complete opposite. And it has a uh iconic Theme tune on the on the ads in Australia that I I think they've just been using the same one since the like sixties or fifties or something.
0: We'll put that on the website, Dave. Hmm. All right. Uh, assuming there's a version of Christopher in an in an alternate universe, why are you the best Christopher?
2: I definitely am not the best Christopher. <laughs> there's That's... that self-deprecating uh, <laughs> yeah. Australian. Uh, this is just truth. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, there's there's I, some... I
2: think I like I like the uh, the. Um, you know, infinite universe's idea of mm-hmm. of reality and you know I imagine that there's there's a universe somewhere where there's a Christopher who's started a podcast called Planet of the Meerkats and that guy is <laughs> obviously doing better than me uh, yeah because the, we're, the so, we're,
1: we're, we're, we're so famous because of this podcast
2: <laughs> the alternate
0: Christopher is is a podcaster slash surfer slash musician and you're you're like, you're living in a mansion and at the top of Trump Tower. I guess <laughs> no, it's no. not a mansion. What am I talking about? A penthouse.
1: <laughs> a penthouse. No, it's a literal. I mean, this is an alternate universe. He actually built a mansion a at the top of the building.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, uh, and Trump Tower is next to a, a reeling point break. And, and, there's and no Donald Trump around.
1: in that universe is like a nice stand-up guy who's He's great. there to help people.
0: Yeah. And Dave, our podcast is like entirely devoted to things Christopher's doing. Yes, because he's famous and we have nothing else to talk about.
2: The <laughs> so name well, one no, he, he, it's that...
1: his podcast in that universe, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. That's yeah. right. podcast.
0: I forgot. <laughs> he's interviewing us. You,
2: you guys are regular guests, so. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right, Christopher, last question for you. Name one thing that you were optimistic about for
2: the future. Let me think. Yes, I do have a song for this.
5: Not very original, but uh, jetpacks just for fun. How about technology finally giving people more time? The past has shown we're not very good at this one. Free movement. end of nations and teleportation so I can go and see
2: my mum.
0: I I thought we should definitely do a top five Australian birds list because Tawny Frogmouth obviously would be on that list as one of the amazing birds Mm -hmm. of Australia. And I started to put together a list and Christopher, you added to this, but there's too many. There's just so many amazing
1: Australian birds. And I was disappointed. Y'all left kookaburra off. No, I have kookaburra on there. Is there? Oh, I didn't see that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How I would never forget kookaburra, Dave. Come on. Are we saying (laughs) that right? Is there like a secret Australian pronunciation? Kookaburra.
1: Oh see. Um, and yeah, when we went when we went to Australia and we were in Cairns, we would wake up to the, the dulcet tones of the kookaburra every morning. <laughs> and I thought there were monkeys and Brahman's like, no, there's no monkeys here, Dave. That's a bird. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're amazing things. I don't know
0: whether my favorite is the gang gang or the willy wagtail.
2: <laughs> well I think they can both be favorites. They're they're sort of on the different ends of bird spectrums as you you know gang gang is a big parrot i believe a big black parrot Mm -hmm. and uh willy wagtail obviously is not a big black parrot (laughs) those are very very australian names
0: that name though like you would give that name to the most badass bird you'd be like just to take it down a notch you you're a willy wagtail
2: (laughs) yeah absolutely i I, uh, I have seen a liar bird too, in real life, and, Oh, really, because I think they're a bit elusive. they they sort of keep to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're for anyone who doesn't know, they're renowned for imitating the the calls of other birds and and you know chainsaws or cameras or <laughs> anything they hear. And I kind of in my head i I knew that, and i I imagine that they would sort of stick with one bird for a while and see if that worked and then go to another one. But the one that I saw in real life, just in 15 seconds, reeled off like 20 (laughs) different bird calls. Bam, bam, bam. It was incredible. Just going through all the hits. Yeah. That's awesome. It's
1: like ADHD manifested into a single animal.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And then the bowerbird as well is the one that steals everything that's blue yeah And, and make, make little uh, they adorn their nests with them that's pretty funny
0: that, that that bird made famous by planet earth right or was it maybe it wasn't planet earth it was one of the david attenborough yeah series. yeah
2: they got a they got a feature in one of those
0: they're beautiful birds though i mean that's the thing is really you could you could you could have a top five that's funny names but you could also have a top five that's just like really really amazing gorgeous birds Yeah, I'm a big fan of birds. And the best we get here is ravens. There's actually a baby raven living in my tree right now. And it's very annoying. (laughs) It's (laughs) Like the worst possible sounds that you could want out of a bird.
1: We used to have a bunch of pigeons roost in our roof. And it was really irritating because they were super loud. See, Americans just get trash birds.
2: (laughs) Well, did you see, I think it's uh, in California somewhere, maybe in the Bay Area uh i can't remember but some i saw an article this week of a woman whose house has been like her deck has been taken over by a bunch of uh ravens or condors <laughs> or something
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's and probably it's, ravens yeah ravens they're, they're like not. condors would be amazing yeah condors <laughs> are not here are they that's like africa no, they're, no they're, they used they to be
0: california condors oh okay they they yeah. were they're really huge and they were like particularly affected by like DDT and and large scale pesticide use in the like 50s and 60s and almost mm. went extinct. And I think they're kind of coming back, but they're more like a Southern California thing. Dave, you probably when you're out and about in uh, the wilds seen... of San Diego, maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have not seen a condor, uh, but I believe it's the state bird of California.
2: That no, I think that's the California
1: that. quail. Quail. Okay, never mind. Yeah.
2: Coincidentally, I actually had another song that uh, fitted in with a future theme when I thought of a, the concept for a really, really stupid science fiction story. <laughs> Which so, aren't
1: all, all, all apocalypses at their very core, are really stupid science fiction stories. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. But yeah. some of them are done well and
2: this one. Is, I mean, as a song, it's 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 fine. But as a story, it's, there's, it should, should go nowhere. <laughs>
0: Oh man! uh, I can't wait. You
2: got got that one for you guys as well.
0: Awesome.
5: I had an idea for a sci-fi story. Like many sci-fi stories, it takes place in the future. Unlike many sci-fi stories, it's an absolute piece of shit. I mean, this is a horrible story. It's so derivative that it basically doesn't even exist. So anyway, in this story, about the future we find a society that is in blissful peace they have all the food they could want the, the, the distribution of income is fair. they have all the energy they could ever need it's amazing it's like they found and sustainable level of existence Bliss. But there's rumblings, there's agitators, there's people saying, hey, hang on a second. Two things. Firstly, I think this energy that we're using is slowly poisoning us. Sometimes not so slow. Secondly, are you sure it's endless? Because I am pretty sure it's gonna end. I've done some
3: research,
5: I've talked to some people, and they say this energy source that we're using isn't going to last forever. Yes, I told you it was a shitty story, right? It sounds familiar. It's derivative, it's totally derivative. Here's the one interesting part though. The energy source that this future society is using is plastic. It's our plastic. Our fucking plastic that's in fucking
3: everything all the time, everywhere. We're addicted.
5: they realise that they've been digging so far into the layers of the earth. That they're coming to the end of plastic. They're coming down to the moment when humans invented plastic and started polluting
3: the earth with this
5: fucking shit. This is obviously concerning is going to run out and they're being poisoned by plastic and then an explorer in a land that we've never heard of because countries don't exist anymore among the plastic finds other things things we even call hard drives Massive hard drives, so much bigger than we can imagine. Terabytes and 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 terabytes. And in these hard drives is the totality of social media. And they find a way to make energy from the vitriol of our social media. single to this stupid science fiction movie. Someone discovers that using the vitriol of social media as a large-scale energy source is slowly...
2: It was a stupid story.
0: Christopher, thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. And I just want to say, I've been listening to you guys uh, pretty much from the beginning. And Me? in these troubled times that we live in at the moment, it's been genuinely comforting to mm-hmm. listen to you guys and the hear the affection that you have for each other. It's It's been a lovely thing to uh, indulge in once a week. So thank you you very much. That's a really, that is a really kind comment. Yes. Thank Uh, you very much.
1: It's nice to hear that.
2: I think
0: that's one thing that we we've hoped to impart is just that like you can connect with other humans in this, in this time and uh, put that connection on the internet for everyone (laughs) to, (laughs) (laughs) I think more of us need to share private moments, right? Yeah, make, make, make uh... love public. I said that wrong. Are
2: you going back to the dildos again?
0: Yeah. that's
1: This This season is actually about dildos. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go get my corn rinsed with some lollies later. Nice. <laughs> and for that, I thank you, Christopher.
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys. So, uh, all right. Well, I've been an anthropomorphic can of Aquanet Hairspray. And I am a survivor of the Night of the Lepus. And thank you for joining us on Planet of the meerkats goodbye planet of the meerkats is produced by neil freeze and david garrison and our theme music is by tawny frogmouth